So what if you could do the hard thing now or do the difficult thing to overcome the key adversary to the joy and the peace that you so desperately want? What if you could do it? And, 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 and defeat this enemy, if you will. What if you knew that if you, that if you were to root out this opponent to the joy and peace you do, so desperately crave, that you could be fulfilled and you could be satisfied regardless of the situation you faced? You know, it's an enemy of our soul that imprisons people, imprisons not just everybody that's outside the faith, but it imprisons those of us who are Christians or are Christ followers within this faith. And this enemy is not Satan himself. However, the enemy, it, it is a core temptation from Satan. And it's a deceptive trick that he's played on humanity since the beginning of time. And that enemy that wants to rob you of your peace and rob you of your joy is discontentment. Discontentment. See, that enemy is discontentment. And if Satan can get you and I to be discontent, then he can destroy our lives. He may not be able to take away our salvation, but he can destroy the joy. He can destroy our peace that we so desperately want and that Jesus died to give us. See, discontentment will be something that, that, can, can, that he can use it to destroy our lives when we get discontent and discontentment. When we're in a place of discontentment, what we do in that place of discontentment will hurt those who are closest to us. And we can be a part of destroying their lives as well. See, discontentment will cause you pain. Discontentment will be the source also of the pain of those closest to you. So what is discontentment? We got to understand what discontentment is. And I'm not really satisfied or content, if you will, just to play on that, with the what how the dictionary describes discontent. See, I think it's more than not being satisfied. I think it's deeper than that. See, I think discontentment is a lack of confidence that we can rely on our supply. That's what I truly think discontentment is. Discontentment is the result of not being confident that I have enough. The reason we question if we have enough is because we're not confident in what we already have been given and already have. And this lack of confidence is ultimately a lack of confidence in God. Let me say that again because you may need to just wrestle with this. The discontentment in your soul or the discontent in your life or that, that lack of confidence is really a lack of confidence in God. We don't trust that we can rely on him and rely on everything he's already provided us. And when we cannot rely on our supply, we want more and we then pursue more. Discontentment becomes the driver in our life. Discontentment drives us to achieve more. Discontentment drives us to acquire more. Discontentment drives us to make more, to become more. Discontentment will then drive us to demand more of others and seek more. It's a driver, the hurry in our life. All because we don't believe or we can't rely on our supply. We believe only that when we have more, that if we have more, when we have more, then I will be content. See, contentment is 
You need to understand this. Contentment is tied, it's linked, it's bound to your dependence. It's tied to what you rely on, your reliance, your dependence. It's tied to that. And it's what makes contentment a key to life. See, contentment is a key to the sustaining joy and the sustaining peace that we so desperately want. See, I will be content. We believe this. And this is what drives our discontentment. I'll be content, we say, when I can depend that that supply that I will eventually have, that's when I will be satisfied. That's when I feel content. And I want to tell you something else about discontentment. Discontentment is the core source of your haste. It is the core source of your hurry. And you may want to challenge that, and I, get, I, I ask you to challenge that. Tell me what is more of a core source. But discontentment is the reason we hurry. And it's why we rush to achieve. It's why we rush and hurry to acquire things or to even be accepted and find the approval of others, and we hurry to do it. See, discontentment is the reason we are so hurried in this life. See, if you were content, you would not have to hurry to purchase the things that you went to purchase as quickly as you purchased them, and now you're in a debt that you have because of those things. If you were content, you may not have been in such a hurry to earn the approval of someone else and do it the way that you did it, only to be left so disappointed and still without peace and without joy in your life. If you were content, you may not have hurried into achieving something or, or, or acquiring a promotion that you so desperately wanted because you thought then you would be fulfilled and you would accomplish something or to, to accomplish something. But the way you went about it, you may have not hurt your family so much in that process. See, discontentment drives hurry. And overcoming this key adversary to your soul, to the joy that, want, that you want so desperately and the peace that you want so desperately, overcoming this key adversary to this key temptation in all of us will give you the key. That is the key to unlock the abundant life that Jesus wants for you to have. And here's the good news for you. Jesus already de- defeated this key temptation, the temptation of discontentment, and so that you can also find victory against this enemy of your soul. And more on that in a moment. My name is Casey, and for those of you that are new with us, I am so grateful that you are here today, and we get to spend this time together with you. For everyone that is online, and especially those that are new with us online, we're so grateful to share this time together with you. As Ryan mentioned earlier, for those that are new with us in the room, we have a gift for you. And at the end of the service, if you'll just go across the lobby into our welcome center we'd love to give you that gift and all we ask of you is just four minutes of your time actually less than four minutes to share four things with you and then you can go ahead and uh, pick up your kids after that Uh, but we'd love to give you that gift uh, today so just head in there also for those of you that are online that are new with us they're posting a connect card a link to a connect card there and if you just fill that out we'd love to send you a gift for being with us now Westside, will you help me welcome everyone that's online and help let me let everyone that's new in the room know how grateful we are to share this time with them today. Will you do that with me? Yeah. So last week we began this series that we're calling 
Waste the haste. And uh, it's a play on words, but it's more importantly something to keep it on the mind, in our mind, uh, that we need to eliminate hurry out of our life. It, it's, it's, it, hurry is something that gets us in a state to where we, it will rob us of our joy and it will rob us of our peace. And we will become the source of others' pain in life when we hurry in life. It doesn't just inflict pain on us, it inflicts pain on others. And here's a series big idea that we have been talking about. We introduced this last week. That the series big idea is that you waste the haste. And here's how you do it. Learn Jesus' unforced rhythms of life. Learn from Jesus' unforced rhythms and learn those rhythms of life. Learning and living by Jesus' rhythms of life will help you eliminate your hurry in this life. And last week we looked at this invitation. It's an invitation Jesus gives to all who are weary and burdened in this life. And isn't that interesting? That's why we get in a hurry. We try to relieve our burden. We try to relieve the, the, the weight that's in us. And we think that hurrying makes it better. But when we learn from Jesus, not just what Jesus taught, or uh, we, we learn also from the model of life he lived, that when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, that yoke we learned last week is not just the teachings of Jesus, but it's the way of life that Jesus lived. And in this, when we learn from that, he gives us rest for our souls. We take that rhythm. That's what we want so desperately. We want to find rest. We don't get on this mixed up pattern to hurry to find rest. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Follow me and you will find rest. And so last week we gave you a waste of the haste challenge. Um, and this challenge is to help you live by the rhythms of life that Jesus lived. And I hope you did this this past week. I hope you did it for at least three days. It's, uh, my challenge is for you to do this every day for 30 days. Take the waste of the haste challenge. There's one daily rhythm a challenge to do this every day. And then there's a challenge to do some, two things weekly. And so in this, this is just three core basic, what we would call the rule of life and, and what his, church history is defined as a rule of life and these are patterned after what the things jesus did and to learn jesus unforced rhythms of life to find the rest that we so desperately want and so in this waste the haste challenge this was a challenge to just breathe and the idea here is that in everything we do we can breathe god into our life and we can breathe god out of our life and it's in that state of breathing we can find rest for our souls and and rest from the the the, the demands of all the things that we are in in life and we breathe god in to our lives we breathe god out of our lives and we do this by following jesus way of life and this weekly and these daily rhythms of what this rule of life governs our life and it almost becomes like the structure by which we become stronger in this life and we experience a life that jesus wants for us so we challenge you to daily read your scripture and pray and this is how you breathe God in. You read the scripture into your life, and then you breathe that out by praying the scripture out loud. So I hope that you did that every day this week. If you're new with us or you didn't, just time got away and you just forgot about it or whatever the case may be, I challenge you to start with us this week. In your Talk It Over, which is on the back side of your notes or on the app, uh, the West Side app, uh, the Talk It Over has six scriptures that are great opportunities for you to breathe and read the scripture just read that passage of scripture and then turn that into a prayer a prayer that will guide you in the day something you can remember throughout the day maybe go back to in that day so this is the challenge to do that 
And then the second one is a weekly, to weekly Sabbath with the body of Christ. We, when, when we breathe God in, see, we breathe God in by coming here. You're, you're taking in the presence of God by being with the body of Christ. It's in this that you receive acceptance. You ex- receive this challenge and you receive this encouragement to follow Jesus. You receive this by, by those people of God serving you, by kids being, your kids are in a place where other families are serving you by, by ministering to your kids. And, and this is a place where we get to have prayer. People can pray for us. And it's also something that we exhale. We're not just consumers here. We're, we're contributors. And, and we breathe God out to the body of Christ by accepting one another, encouraging others, and challenging others to follow Jesus. We do this through prayer, by praying with others. And we're going to do that again at the end of today's teaching. We're going to do this together. We're going to receive prayer and give prayer. And we do this by this regular rhythm of gathering together. We breathe God in and we exhale God out. And the other weekly rhythm is to have one, a meaningful conversation with a friend or group of friends. And we said this is, not a face, this is a face-to-face conversation. This is not a FaceTime conversation, but this is in flesh and blood in the room together. It's a meaningful thing. We love one another as God has loved us. We receive the love from others and we give that love to others in this time and it's precious now today we're going to look look at i believe is the root of all our hurry it's the temptation that drives the root of all of our hurry and today we're going to look at how do we defeat that temptation that will rob you of your peace and your joy and the abundant life that jesus died for you to receive and here's the teaching big idea for today contentment is key to eliminate hurry I made it rhyme. Imagine that. (laughs) Contentment is key to eliminate hurry. It's the key to life, to eliminating the hurry in your life, is to be in the place that you are content. Contentment is the key to this. See, all of your hurried life, all of your haste in life, is tied to your being discontent in life. Your discontentment is also, like we said earlier, tied to your dependency. What are you relying on? Because what you rely on, will it, it, it will cause you to hurry. You see, your dependency on the approval of others, when you depend and you rely on the approval of others, it's going to cause you to rush into something or to do something that, or go somewhere or do something in a way that will hurt you. And not only hurt you, it will hurt those closest to you because you're dependent upon the approval of others. Depending uh, on uh, your dependency on success and your identity being excess or success or, or your identity being wrapped up in something like that just to where you, you're dependent upon that in order to be content in life. That accomplishment or relying on having more, that acquiring more. Some of us are dependent on having more. And we're, our, our contentment is depend, tied to having more material things in our life. That's when we'll feel secure. When we have so much in our bank account or when we have so much that we've acquired, then I'll feel secure. See, having more and more, having it more quickly ruins those relationships that we value most. Discontentment will, de- will destroy. It will ruin your marriage. Discontentment will ruin families and friendships. It will ruin the opportunities that God brings into our lives. And ultimately, discontentment hurts our souls because we, it gets us to want more and to want it more quickly. See, being content is the key we need to eliminate hurry. And Jesus gives us hope. See, Jesus modeled a life of contentment. 
Jesus modeled a life. We have the Gospels. I've said this quite a bit, and I'll continue to say it. We have the Gospels not just to share with us what Jesus taught and the miracles he performed. We have the Gospels to show us how Jesus lived. And if you read the Gospels, I challenge you to do this. You'll see a content life that Jesus had. After he would begin his ministry, he would have no home. He would, loo- he would leave his job that he had as a, as a craftsman working with his father, and he would become uh, un- unemployed, if you will. <laughs> and he would depend upon the provision of others, but he would live a content life. He would not even, he would not worry even about the clothes on his back. He didn't need this. He only had those clothes on his back. And then he didn't have the approval of others. I mean, think about this. There were times that the crowds were there, but what was the reason Jesus died? It's because the crowd disapproved of Jesus and were yelling, crucify him. He even said that those who were to follow him would not need to take anything with them. He encouraged a life of contentment depending upon God. They wouldn't need to take anything but the clothes on their back. And they did not need homes. And to follow him would mean that they would not get the approval of others. There are many times Jesus said that to follow me means they're going to reject you. And Jesus lived this life. He modeled this life to us. And Jesus would depend upon God constantly to provide and depend And he would depend upon God's approval of him. And this is the content life that Jesus modeled for the disciples. So how did Jesus get to this state of being so content? Well, I believe, it's my belief that this right here, that Jesus began his ministry by overcoming the temptation to be discontent. He defeated the temptation of discontentment as the first thing that that, that, that he did in this. Um, turn with me or scroll with me in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 4. And this is where we read about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Now, many of us have read this and we've seen these three temptations that Jesus has faced. But I want to give you a new way of looking at these temptations. Uh, I want you to help you see it in a different perspective today of how Jesus defeated discontentment in these t- temptations. And I want to help, let's see this together. Uh, Here we go in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Read this with me. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to underline full of the Holy Spirit. Underline that, please. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This wilderness was this desolate place, this this place of of, um, desert. It could be, it's this wilderness place. And then in there, for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those 40 days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Now, I just want to pause right here because this is important. To, this is an important rhythm of life that Jesus includes. I did not include it in our Wasteland Haste Challenge, but I think this could easily be added for those of us that want to continue to model in the life of Jesus. Fasting is what Jesus is doing right here. I'm not recommending we all fast for 40 days. That takes a very... Um, strategic approach. But Jesus fasted for 40 days. But fasting is a reminder. It's a reminder to wait that we are, are fully dependent upon God more than we are f- dependent upon food. That's what fasting does. It reminds us that we are fully dependent upon God. It's this rhythm that we can incorporate in our life 
Um, many uh, people who followed a rule of life that's modeled after Jesus will fast weekly, some monthly. And, and it's this weekly way to remind ourselves that we are fully dependent upon God. And Jesus models this for us right here in this text. As, as Jesus models how we can defeat the temptation of discontentment and what follows. So read along with me. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Now, look at this. Satan sees Jesus as weak because that's what fasting did to his body. And in this desire just for food, Satan takes this desire, exposes maybe a weakness in Jesus, and attacks Jesus identity as being the son of god he goes after jesus identity first thing he sees a weakness a desire and then he attacks his identity if you are the son of god then use your authority use your power to turn these stones into bread see jesus knew who he was and jesus and knew that he did not need to prove himself to anyone Why? Because Jesus was content in his identity. He knew he was the son of God and that God the Father was pleased with him. In Philippians 2, Paul would write this to to the church in Philippi and he would say that Jesus emptied himself and became fully human. So God, Jesus, fully God, would empty himself of his divine attributes and the divine attributes of being omnipotent, um, omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time. He allowed himself to be fully human in this. And that meant he also emptied himself of uh, even his omniscience. He depended, he was fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit in this moment. Just like you and I are fully dependent upon God. He became fully human. It did not mean he was not fully God. He was. He just left those qualities, those attributes in heaven, emptied himself of all of those so he could come to us. See, and he could show us that he was reliant on the Holy Spirit. See, remember, remind, let me remind you, contentment is tied to your dependence. Jesus was fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit. And we need to live just like Jesus modeled to us, fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus modeled how we need to do this and how we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Earlier, Luke would record this moment when Jesus was baptized. He, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus, we read, was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And look at this. The Holy, Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying this, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, this is the moment Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And not only that, but he was fulfilled in his identity being loved by god being the fully the son of god and being that meaning that son of god is he was fully human at this moment and fully divine he was content with both and he was content with his identity in god and not only that 
Jesus was content with God the Father's provision. He was content. When tempted to turn the stones into bread because obviously he was hungry, Jesus answers. And Luke excludes for unknown reasons how Jesus answers and what Jesus says here. However, Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew includes this in his, uh, in Jesus' response to the temptation. Jesus answered in Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus answered this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. By quoting Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, which is a scripture that proceeded from the mouth of God and was written in a pre- pre- preserved text and in, in, in text form for thousands of years. Check this out. This became the, the revelation of God that Jesus began to grow in knowledge and began to trust this scripture. And, and Jesus then in the scripture, he identifies it with the Israelites in the desert and he identifies with their hunger. However, unlike the Israelites, he's not going to become discontent. His dependence is on something else. Unlike the Israelites who were dependent upon food instead of the word of God and the will of God, Jesus declares his dependence is on God. See, Jesus doesn't let his, his hunger create discontentment because he doesn't let his appetite create discontentment because he knows that what is from God is what will fulfill him and sustain him. The word from God was Jesus sustaining food. See, the word of God revealed the will of God. And that's what Jesus depended upon and relied on more than food. This is why Jesus would say things like this in John 4.34. He would say, my will, my, my work, my, my food, he said, my food is to do, to do the will of the Father. I have come to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. That's my food. That's what I depend upon. Think about this. We never read in the Gospels about Jesus being preoccupied with food or shelter or provision. Why? Because he actually taught us not to worry about these things because he was fully dependent upon God, who he was and what God provided already for him. And he was fully dependent upon this. In in this moment. See, Jesus models that we're not just physical beings in need of physical food. Jesus models to us that we are spiritual beings who rely on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's why your scriptures are so important. And so let's look look at the next temptation. So he taught us not to worry about these things, but Jesus taught us to seek the kingdom of God. And his teachings. And so look at the next temptation. The devil then in verse 5 led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I choose or I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, verse 13 in this passage here. He recognizes that something very important that we need to recognize. We need to recognize what Jesus recognized. If it does not agree with Scripture, it is not from God. I'm serious. 
We need to understand this. We need to wrap our mind. We need to be content with that. You may need to learn to be content that it, with that, that if, it's, if it disagrees with Scripture, you need to be content that that's not from God. Jesus recognizes something here. Jesus recognizes that fame belongs only to God. He recognizes that this is what he, God, God is the one to be glorified. Worship is only devoted to him because God alone will be glorified. It's God's will and God's plan that brings God's God glory. You need to understand this. We need to recognize this. Jesus recognizes this. It's God's plan and God's will that brings God's glory. And to subvert God's will, to, uh, to subvert God's plan robs God of his glory. We take it for ourselves. And Jesus would be worshipped. Yes, that was part of God's plan. Jesus would be worshipped and in time he would be glorified. But there was a plan and timing to that plan. To receive that worship, Jesus must defeat the temptation to be discontent with his position and status. And Jesus would have to defeat the temptation to gain that glory his way or another way than God's way. See, Jesus would have to defeat the temptation to gain glory more quickly and to defeat that temptation to avoid God's will and plan. Satan was tempting Jesus with an easy way to gain glory and fame. But the easy way is not always God's way. Jesus was content in his position to serve and did not seek to rush gaining fame. You see this constantly through the Gospels. Jesus would tell some, don't, don't, don't tell anybody because the timing wasn't right. The disciples were pushing him to do it, but the timing wasn't Right. He knew that a crown would await him. He knew that he would return to that position. He knew that was there. But glory was going to have to come God's way in God's time. And it was going to have to come through the cross and suffering. That was God's will. God would return this glory to Jesus only after Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why Paul, that's why Paul would write this to the church in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And look at this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If he would have done it Satan's way, he would have gained glory, but it wouldn't have been the one in God's plan. And it would not have meant the suffering to save you and me. Jesus would not hurry to gain fame, but he would choose the path of the suffering servant that Scripture so beautifully describes in the Old Testament. Jesus was content and being that person, Jesus was content in his identity and he was content that he would serve the people of this world to and establish, he was the person sent to establish the kingdom of God by becoming the suffering servant. He was content in that role. 
And Jesus was content also in God's timing, trusting that God would restore his fame and his future and his glory in time. And when Jesus would receive that glory, Jesus would then do what Paul says, he would return that glory back to God the Father. Just like you and I one day will receive a crown and for everything that we've gone through, all our suffering and all our pain and everything that we've done for Jesus. And what are we going to do for that? We're going to do with that. We're going to take the crown and put it right below his feet. He's going to give us a glory and we're going to return that to him because it's what he did with what he was given. Jesus did not seek the fame of people because he defeated the temptation to be discontent. And he did not seek their approval because he had his approval from God. He was loved. And then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest place of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard yourself carefully. So Satan's like, you quote scripture, I can quote scripture. He goes, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan realizes that Jesus here is going to use scripture, so he combats with scripture, which is, I want you to know something. Satan does this to distract those that know scripture. Satan has deceived so many people by twisting the truth of scripture to appeal to our sinful desires. He's done this. This has been the trick since the beginning of time. Satan has deceived so many. He's twisted the scriptures to tempt a desire within us, and then we are tempted to justify that desire. Or that purpose. And Jesus here quotes Deuteronomy 6.16, knowing that while he is fully God, he is also fully human, and no human is to put God to the test. See, Jesus, here we recognize, was content with God's timing. He was not going to test God's timing. He was not going to rush God's timing. And here Jesus defeated the temptation to be discontent with the timing that God has for his life. He defeats it. A temptation that we all deal with, right? I mean, don't we want things faster? Don't we want it sooner? And we feel like maybe, God, why isn't that you give it to us in our timing? Maybe because he has a different plan, a different will. And that temptation to rush his timing, we need to be content with his timing and overcome that discontentment. And the beautiful thing is that that Jesus had the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is the same power within you. And I love what what Jesus does is, is he has that power with him. Now I want you to see what happens at the end of this. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So the temptation was over, but he just, he, this was a big win for Jesus. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Look at that. He returned in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit was more alive in him after he defeated the temptation. As the Holy Spirit was with him there, he depended upon the power. And then when he defeated this this temptation, he was full of that power. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Here's a beautiful thing. The same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus is alive in all of us who trust in Jesus as our Savior, have confessed Him as our Lord, and 
God has then gifted all of us the Holy Spirit, making us born again. We are new humanity because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within all who trust in Jesus as Savior. Confess him as Lord and follow Jesus' teachings and his way of life. This is good news for us. It's the Holy Spirit. See, the power of the Holy Spirit will help you defeat your discontentment. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive in you to help you defeat your discontentment. And only the Holy Spirit in you can help you in this temptation, in all your temptations. And here's something that you need to know. I love what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. It's a powerful verse for us. See, it says, No temptation has taken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can escape it. No. So that you can endure it. Are you content with God's plan or do you have your own plan for the life that you want to live? Why are you so hurried to avoid God's plan and his will for you? See, the same spirit who helped Jesus endure the temptations and find his way out will do the same for you, but you will have to depend and rely on God's way and not your way. And when you do, you will not hurry into temptation to try to escape it, but you will endure it and you'll discover your way out, trusting in the Holy Spirit and God's way. So waste the haste. Eliminate Hurry in your life. Root it out. Eliminate the discontentment in your life. Defeat it by fully depending upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit for you. See, contentment is the key to eliminate hurry. Now, here are four things I just want to leave you with today to challenge you. See, when you are content that your identity is in Jesus Christ, you won't need to prove yourself to anyone. Why are you so discontent to prove yourself? Why, why are you such a hurry to prove yourself? Why are you so discontent in your identity? Find your identity in the one who identifies you and created you and calls you his or her son or daughter. He loves you. He's pleased with you. Don't search for contentment anywhere else. And when you're content there, when you're content with God's will for you, you won't seek the approval of others. You won't seek the plan of others. You won't seek for your identity to be in anything else other than who you are in Christ. And when you're content in God's will for you, you won't worry about God's provision for you. When you're content in God's will, you're not going to worry about his provision. See, discontentment will drive you to search for this fulfillment, the, anything outside of God's will. And you, you'll, you'll look to acquire more and, and you'll be discontent with what you have. And, and, and you're going to want more. You're going to try to earn more. You're going to try to succeed more instead of just being content in what God has already provided for you. See, everything you have, God has already provided. And he wants you to be, to be content with what he's already provided. And when I'm content in God's provision, I'm not driven. I'm not in a hurry to acquire more because I'm in content with what I have. 
and that it's, will for, it's his will for me to have what I have. And then when I'm content and knowing that God will reward me, I can serve in humility. See, when we get so caught up that we need to be recognized and we pursue accomplishment and we do it to feed ourselves and to feed our discontentment, when we get caught up in that, it doesn't cause us to serve in humility. You know what we do? We get others to do for us and we hurt others in the meantime. But discontentment will drive you to do more, to be more acknowledged, to be rewarded. But when you realize that what God has in store for you, an inheritance, and that inheritance one day you'll receive, you don't have to earn it because in Christ you've received it. And now you're in a position, no matter where you're in, to serve in humility. And the last is this, is when you're content in God's timing, you can wait. I could have just stopped there. But the reason you can wait is because you can trust in his leading. You can be content in God's timing and you can trust in his leading. So we're going to pray together and we're going to do this in a way that we've done before. We're going to pray that we can depend on God and be content in him. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you're new with us, you don't have to participate in this. You can just say, hey, you know what? I, not today and we'll respect that. But I challenge you to to find somebody. I want to ask you to find two or three people, find a couple people, and this is what I want you to pray over them. Father, help my friend be content. Receive this, that prayer from somebody. And then I want you to pray this over somebody else. Help my friend be content by fully depending upon you. Will you pray that? And then we're going to spend the rest of this time together worshiping God and depending on him, relying on him. So turn to one another and begin to pray this over one another. Help my friend be content by fully depending upon you.